As always, Mark Colley, and today we're joined by Bryson and Jacob as usual, but we're also joined by two guests today. We have Rob and Mo with us. They're from the Jays Banter podcast or Blue Jay Wave on Instagram. How are you guys? I'm uh, doing all right. Uh, just making through this quarantine like we all are, but we're really happy to join you guys today and excited to talk Blue Jays baseball again. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Excited, excited to be on this podcast, and so thanks for having us, man. Yeah, and you might recognize Rob's voice. He was on our podcast ages ago, um, like years ago now. But I'll tell you uh, what: if uh, if there are any like loyal listeners that still remember my voice, that's you know round of applause there. That was a while ago, but <laughs> good to be back though. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, there, obviously, if you've been paying any attention to baseball, there is so much happening right now. There's the Players Association, there's the tensions with the owners, lots of reactions from players, but we're going to start things off today with a conversation about news that came out way, way back, like eons ago, like last week, um, about the Blue Jays playing their season in Dunedin, and I think most of us realize this was kind of a reality because the logistics of crossing a border repeatedly while Canada still is a 14-day quarantine is kind of undoable, but um, this kind of put it, uh, finalized it and put it into action with Shai Davidi reporting that the Blue Jays are considering alternative uh, playing spaces. Um, Just starting things off, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Um, Are you disappointed that the Blue Jays might not be playing in Toronto this year? Well, I think everyone uh, would be disappointed to a certain extent based off of uh, the Jays playing elsewhere uh, in 2020. Who knows how long it'll be. But of course, um, pretty much we're disappointed with everything going on. It's an understatement. And, uh, you know, the only thing that pretty much works against the Jays playing in Toronto is, like you said, Mark, the 14-day quarantine rule. And we know that's going to be in effect for a very long time still. Um, you know, Mayor John Tory said yesterday that he doesn't anticipate any pro sports being played in the city until the fall at the earliest. So that's, of course... I guess if everything's going on track as it has been, unless there's some sort of, you know, uh, improvement that comes out of the blue. But when you look at this, uh, in Major League Baseball, the Jays, of course, are the only Canadian team, which uh, complicates a lot of things. And, you know, you can't have the Yankees quarantining for 14 days if they're coming into town. So that is something that obviously is the biggest hurdle for this. And regardless, there won't be any fans playing. So in my opinion, I'm not too bothered by it just because it doesn't really matter based off of the attendance. But of course, the, a little part of me as well is a little disappointed just because of uh, the fact that, you know, the Jays won't be in Toronto at all or, you know, maybe the fall. Uh, I know there's going to be expanded postseason this year, so I guess you can't rule it out. Mathematically, they have a better chance to make the postseason. So I guess down the stretch, you know, regardless of where they are, if they come back to Toronto and finish up the season, I think that's something that we would all enjoy. But, you know, for now, this is what the new normal looks like. And compared to the other sports, or at least in the MLB and the NBA, uh, the Raptors and the Blue Jays are the only Canadian team in the respective leagues. So this is something that's going to have to be dealt with just because uh, what we know of the MLB as well, that they won't be doing any hub cities uh, compared to what the NBA is uh, looking into. So this is something that's going to have to be strictly played in the United States for the foreseeable future. And uh, the Jays playing in Dunedin is just going to have to be some, you know, our new reality. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I did reach out to Rob Longley on Twitter uh, from the Tr- Toronto Sun, I believe. And I just asked him, like, is there, do you think there's any chance that, I don't know, 
late August or even early August at the earliest, you think there's a chance the Jays can come back to Toronto? And then he pretty much just told me that uh, it's certain, certainly a, conti- a contingency uh, the Jays will be looking at, but would be dependent on the travel restrictions, quarantine being lifted, and that's uh, a, a possibility later than sooner. So in other words, until this 14-day quarantine rule is up or lifted this, um, you know, this rule that Justin Trudeau has put in place, uh, you know, unfortunately we won't be seeing any uh, live sports in Toronto in the near future, but hopefully that does change. Yeah, I also, um, you mentioned how there's going to be a lack of fans in the stadiums, and I think that honestly makes it a little bit okay, more okay to not have any games played in Toronto because, you know, even if teams were coming and playing at the Rogers Centre, Scotiabank Arena, it's not like anybody would be going there regard uh, besides the players and the organizations and whatnot. But so having these players playing in Florida or Dunedin, that's not necessarily a bad idea because like I said, it's not like people are going to be able to go and watch the games anyways, at least live. So I think uh, smart move, obviously no team's going to want to quarantine for 14 days. If it's just for a three game series, or if you're in the NBA or the NHL, just for, you know, one game. So it, unfortunately this is the reality but it does make sense and i i can't really complain about it too much it is unfortunate because i mean a personal story yesterday i was driving downtown and driving by the rogers center and me and my buddy were just thinking like oh there could have been a baseball game here tonight and how fun that would be but um unfortunately like i think you guys both summarize it pretty well it's it's just the new reality that we live in right now and um while you know as a fan who goes to multiple games a year and you know, who enjoys watching baseball at the Dome. It really sucks that it's probably not going to happen this year, but at the same time, um, you know, you realize that there's it's better than nothing. And even if they were to play in Dunedin, um, that's, that's just the new reality that we have to adapt to. And we want to watch baseball this year. Um, it just, just got to accept it. And it's not like there would have been fans anyway. So at the end of the day, I'm not all too bothered by it. Uh, because, like I said, there wouldn't have been fans anyway. So even if they played games in Toronto, um, it would have been the exact same circumstances. And I think, Mark, you mentioned it perfectly that, you know, the complications of crossing an international border just to play a three-game series with this 14-day quarantine rule, it's a really tough hurdle to jump. So um, I've made my peace with it, um, but I guess it's unfortunate, but I've accepted it. Yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to this idea. Um, like you guys said, there's just too many safety protocols to be passed. As Rob mentioned that um, in Toronto, we're not going to be seeing any fans anyways. It's definitely not going to be um, normal, but it is the new normal. Um, with this being said, there is a positive lining to this where um, the Blue Jays will have more chances to make the playoffs as they're going to be four wildcard teams, I believe, as well as um, the player rosters will be up to 30. That's going to give the Blue Jays more chances to make the playoffs in Dunedin. Yes, it's going to be weird seeing them playing in some spring training ballparks, but honestly, it's just going to be great to see having some baseball played on the TV for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that kind of transitions into the next topic we have for today, which is the plan that Major League Baseball owners have approved and have now presented to the Players Association, and they're now engaging in contract discussions and debate. Um, But like you mentioned, the postseason is going to be expanded to 14 teams instead of 10 teams. The season is going to be around 82 games. Um, 
Um, the plan right now is to host games at home stadiums. If they can't get the permits for home stadiums, um, as they probably won't be able to, to Toronto teams will turn to their spring training homes. Um, the season will ramp up in mid-June with spring training, hopefully starting opening day around July 4th is the plan right now. Um, I think everyone really at this point knows the details of this and, and a lot of people agree like it's not the optimal situation, but it's kind of what we're going to end up with. But I think the interesting conversation to have is the tensions that have flared up in this. I mentioned the owners presenting the deal to the Players Association and they were supposed to present it on Tuesday, this last Tuesday, we're recording this on Saturday, and even before that meeting, we saw headlines of a brewing war with the Players Association, and, you know, they would never accept this deal because Major League Baseball is trying to take more money away from the players and the owners, um, kind of launching their own campaign um, against the players with, you know, Rob Manfred yesterday went on CNN to talk about this deal. A lot of owners have recruited some players whether it's Alex Rodriguez, whether it's other players to kind of be on their side in all of this. We're seeing a lot of tensions. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? Where are you landing on the side of the owners, the players, and who do you think is right in this situation? Uh, I think it's personally, I think it's just for the players to be upset about this. I mean, uh, there was already a contingent agreement in place that was agreed, I think at the end of March when opening day would have happened, um, that you know, the players' salaries would have gotten cut due to um, the fact that the 162-game season would have been cut. So already looking at this new plan that uh, was supposedly proposed on Tuesday or supposed to be proposed on Tuesday about an 82-game season, that's already give or take, well, a little more than 50% of the proper 162-game schedule. So that right there is already a 50% pay cut for the players. And now with this new agreement, that's there's also this 50-50 revenue split. So I think players, they're already taking a pay cut, and now you're you're asking them to take another pay cut to play a shortened season. And eventually, you you get to the point where it's like, is it even worth it? I mean, right now, the players are the ones that are going out there and risking their lives in terms of, you know, being out there in a pandemic and playing professional sports so that, you know, people can be entertained and watch baseball on TV. So... I think the fact that they're taking this, they're they're being asked to take this much less money. Um, as a player, that would like really you know rub me the wrong way if I was in that situation. And we've already heard um, some you know players calling out this idea. Like Blake Snell, he's probably the most uh, vocal of the players that have said anything yet. I know some guys have spoken out on Twitter. Um, so I think that they have a right to be upset about this and. I don't know what the following steps are. I do think that there's enough interest on both sides to get a deal done so that, you know, everyone wants to play baseball. That's, there's no doubt about that. You know, the players want to get paid owners. They want to make revenue. The fans obviously want us. We want to watch them play. So I think there's enough interest on both sides on all sides to get it done. Um, but I think I definitely think the players are getting the short end of the stick in terms of this proposed agreement. Yeah, let me just start off by saying, you know, it's the battle between the billionaires versus the millionaires. And before I get to that, I just wanted to throw some numbers at you guys. Um, uh, Washington University in St. Louis uh, did a study and calculated actually the total amount of estimated MLB revenue losses, assuming 50% of the regular season is lost, which uh, looks to be 
the most likely scenario right now. So ticket sales, you're losing upwards of over $1.1 billion. Game day spending, you're up to $890 million. National media, you're $775 million. Corporate sponsor, sponsor, uh, sponsorships, $172 million, sorry. And in total, that adds up to $3 billion. So I guess if there's no season at all, you can, I guess the smart thing would, to do would be double that number, and that's up to $6 billion lost uh, for the MLB. So as you can see, Major League Baseball has already lost $3 billion, and uh, Commissioner Manfred said that owners would lose up to $4 billion individually, or sorry, $4 billion all around if there's no season played. So look, I don't have a side because I don't feel like it's fair for me to put myself in the shoes of an athlete, unfortunately. I wish it was different. And I can't put myself in the shoe of a billionaire. But the only thing I, I do know is that it's not surprising to see leaks of this details being uh, shipped out. Because, you know, the, the, the want or the attraction of public pressure, uh, pressure from the fans, is definitely something that both sides are playing. Um, you know that the owners are doing everything they can to say that, look, if we play prorated salaries and we play with no fans, which they've said, we're losing more money than we play with the revenue split. But of course, we don't know that just because the owners in baseball, until they open up their revenue books, which players want to see, and now players as well. I, you know, I'm not a fan too much of players complaining about the money. I know uh, money usually determines everything, but I want to, I want to hear the players' complaints about health because this is what it should be about. It should be about health and safety of the players. But unfortunately, if there's no season played this year, it's not going to be about health. It's going to be about flat out money and. With the CBA expiring within the next couple of years, I think it's in 2021, you know, there's already tensions between these two sides. What does the future hold for baseball, you know, in in particular when the, when the CBA is actually expired after the, you know, I can't remember when it is, 2021 or 2022. So there's lots of tensions here, but I know that gate revenue accounts for 51% of local revenue and 40% of MLB revenue. So it's pretty self-explanatory of how much money baseball is losing. I'm putting myself in the shoes of a fan. I want this deal to get done, and I've seen this so many times with CBA negotiations where there's tensions at, at first with the tug-of-war, kind of, and then, you know, eventually either the players or the owners will both cave, maybe one side will cave, but look, there's so much to be lost for both of these uh, these sides, in my opinion, especially other than, you know, pro at, you know, some superstar players like Bryce Harper, who's making over $300 million, but there's other players, too, where this loss is meaningful for them and of course the owners we already know how much money they're losing so it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of things going on and the one thing I thought to to maybe you know understand the owners but again I can't put myself in the shoes of a billionaire and unfortunately we don't know how much they make you know what if a second wave comes uh, which is apparently it's supposed to I'm not a you know I'm not a genius with these trends or whatever but you know a second wave and usually these plagues come and what if that comes during the MLB postseason and the postseason has to be stopped. You know, most of this money this year will have to come from TV deals. And we know that most of the money comes from TV uh, deal partnerships. Uh, that's how the league makes most of the money in the playoffs. And that's pretty much going to be the only way of revenue this year. So there's lots of lots of risks. And what if a what if an athlete gets seriously, seriously sick? Uh, we know that most uh, cases of COVID-19 come from, you know, mild symptoms. But there's those cases. Of, and look at the death tolls of people with pre-existing health issues and people that unfortunately die. You know, these these symptoms can get really bad. So you don't, you know, there's a lot of risk going on between both players and owners. I just want to put myself 
in the shoes of a fan and let's let's get a deal done hopefully but i want to see the proper health measures before i look at the money but unfortunately it's not that simple but that's the way i think it should be looked at yeah i i like how you mentioned uh the health before money aspect because i think that's probably what should be discussed rather than money now I don't necessarily think I have the right to tell people that they shouldn't be concerned about money. However, in a situation like this, I think the focus should be more on how can we stay protected if we're in close contact with a lot of people during these games rather than uh, the money. And you mentioned taking sides between players and owners. Part of me wants to kind of lean towards the owners just because, you know, if you're not making money, it's a lot harder to justify spending more money in order to run your operations. And if, you know, 82 games are played, which is a little bit less than half of a regular season, it's very hard to justify playing, paying players for a full season, which is understandable in my opinion. And especially even if there's no fans, you know, a lot of the revenue is going to be lost. So it's a lot harder to say, well, we're going to spend X amount of dollars on you, even though, most of the revenue that you bring in is not there. Although I do understand the player's perspective, you know, they are risking their lives going towards going close contact with a lot of people. So I I do understand why they're going to say, well, why am I going to take a pay cut to do something dangerous? However, I do think that this argument should be more of how can we stay protected and just get the season going rather than arguing more about the money. Yeah, And I agree with you guys both fully. I believe that the main theme this issue this um disagreement is money and you know with the owners no fans in the stands means no tickets sold and with the players they're already agreeing to a big pay cut with all those tax cuts now with a shortened season and i do get where they're coming from as you guys put it nicely that we have to look past that we have to look at the health aspect how are we going to sustain a full 82 game season in the shortened season and how are we going to get past these health issues make sure that everyone is healthy because Older players, the older umpires are more immune to this than the younger players. Obviously, um, but this virus is a second wave can happen anytime. Um, it's very dangerous. So I feel like players should really just focus on health aspect. It is, it is scrummy that they won't be able to get their full paycheck. But hey, we got essential workers that are doing the um, working for us in grocery stores that are trying to help um, during this pandemic. And if this, if, if we can't get any baseball due to money, it's going to be really not going to be very good. Yeah, and I just, Rob, you mentioned Blake Snell, and he's kind of been at the center of all of this. He was on Twitch. He streams a lot on Twitch. Um, he was the Tampa Bay Rays representative in the MLB Players League, but I just want to play a clip of him talking about the deal that MLB has proposed. Um, fair warning, there is some coarse language in it, but take a listen. <laughs> No, I'm not splitting no revenue. I want all mine. Bro, y'all got to understand, too, because y'all going to be like, bro, Blake, play for the love of the game, man. What's wrong with you, bro? Money should not be a thing. Bro, I'm risking my life. What do you mean it should not be a thing? It 100% should be a thing. If I'm going to play, I should be getting the money I signed to be getting paid. I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half on top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there. So I'm really getting like 25%. On top of that, it's getting taxed. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't making shit. And on top of that, so all that money's gone. And now I play risking my life. 
And and what and if I get the Rona on top of that, if I get the Rona, guess what happens with that? Oh yeah, that stay that's in my body forever. That damage is not gonna be like the damage that was done to my body, that's gonna be there forever. So now I gotta play with that on top of that. So y'all got I mean, y'all gotta understand, man, for me to go for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. It's a shorter season, less pay like bro, this yeah, man, I gotta no, I gotta get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? And that's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry if you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher, and the amount of money I make is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? Like, you know, I'm just I'm sorry. So in my head, I'm preparing for next season, and I'm preparing. Well, I'm actually preparing for right now, but as if I'm preparing for next season. Like, it's it's super weird, man. More Twitch streams for us, that's facts. But, guys, I'm just saying, man, it just doesn't make sense for me to lose all of that money and then go play and then be on lockdown, not around my family, not around the people I love, and get paid way the hell less. And then the risk of injury runs every time I step on the field. So it's, it's just it's not worth it. It's not. I love baseball to death. It's just not worth it. Well, lots of stuff to unpack there, but there's also a lot of other players who've reacted, uh, Bryce Harper reacting, um, Alex Rodriguez being on the side of the owners. There's lots of player reactions, but Blake Snell has kind of kicked all this off with what he said there. And a lot of people are criticizing Snell for saying, you know, kind of what we've talked about on here. There are essential workers. There are nurses, grocery shop um, workers, lots of people who are actually risking their lives. And people are criticizing him for putting money ahead of that while other people are, you know, working for minimum wage in these situations. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but personally, I don't think it's comparable. Um, in this case, the players are just fighting for what they've been promised to earn, and the owners are trying to get those earnings, from my perspective. So in this situation, the owners, we've talked about uh, upwards of $4 billion lost, but they are trying to take the, 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 the reap the rewards of having this season this year and put the cost on the players. So I don't think you can really talk about, you know, comparing it to essential workers. Obviously MLB players have it so much better than anyone else, but at the same time, they're just fighting to not get stuck with the losses and not have the owners take all the profits. If that makes sense. That's how I look at this problem. I'm interested in hearing how you guys think about this criticism. So I have like two things. One, um, what you guys all mentioned earlier about how, you know, the focus should be on safety and, you know, not money. And while, you know, that's that's perfectly fine. I do agree with that. But at the same time, in this global pandemic, you know, the safety portion is, is just so much uncertainty there. I mean, yeah, like it's it's pretty much out of the player's control how the league is run, what kind of safety measures they take, you know, the second wave of virus, as Bryson, you mentioned. So I think it all it's kind of connected to the money portion where it's the risk and reward factor that comes into play. So um, the safety, it's a variable. It's no one can control that. I mean, at least not a player, players can't control that. So um, all that they can really control is fighting for um, how much they earn. And that's what, you know, the players union is trying to do that despite the fact that, you know, there's potential unsafe measures when baseball returns, the players can at least be compensated so that, there's an incentive for them to play. So I think 
definitely in theory, it should be safety over the money, but I don't think that's really in anyone's control, any player's control um, about how that goes down. And I think Mark, you touched it up pretty well that, you know, players, they like, let's face it. We watch as fans, we watch baseball to see the players. And when we watch every single day, when we talk about um, on here, like, like us bloggers, um, we talk about what the players do and how they perform. And that's basically what everything is centered around. So I definitely you know from, I'm obviously, you know, not trying to put myself in the player's perspective, but I'm just thinking, trying to think like one, um, why shouldn't they get paid, you know, most of the revenue? If they're the only reason why the ship is going. And, you know, obviously I understand the business portion of it as well. Um, but I guess I'm not blaming Blake Snell and other players for feeling that way. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I feel about the entire situation. Yeah. Look, it, it, it's a tough situation. Um, once these negotiations started right off the bat, I had a horrible feeling to myself that this could get ugly between, uh, the owners and the players. This could, you know, this other than COVID-19 based off this proposal, the only way there's no baseball season now, like I mentioned is over money. And that's pretty much a certainty now, but, um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's definitely something again, I, I told you about the leaking of it for public pressure and Blake Snell has gotten a lot of heat for it online and I think that's exactly what the owners want and same with Bryce Harper um you know again I want to side with the health aspect I don't know if you guys saw but Sean Doolittle on the Washington Nationals posted about a 10 tweet thread about not nothing to do with money about everything to do with health and it was an incredible thread I was blown away by all the information and research he's done if you guys haven't seen it go check it out he was pretty much breaking down um and I guess to side with Blake Snell the effects of COVID-19 you know, in your lungs, people with um, health conditions, pre-existing health conditions, sorry, and the after effects, because again, this is something that you'll be dealing with um, for the rest of your life, depending on the symptoms you get. We know the majority of it are mild symptoms, but of course, there is the small percentage of uh, getting severe symptoms. And if you already have a pre-existing health condition, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really risky. And it's something that, you know, you know, Commissioner Manfred's pretty optimistic about it. I'm, I'm still optimistic about it. You know, it's the early stage of a, of a negotiation process. I think there will be an agreement that the players and the owners come down to. But the one thing I wanted to also ask you guys before or after you uh, add on to what Rob and I were saying and Mark for introducing the topic, uh, Commissioner Manfred said, was asked if should there be, should the players be even forced to return? And he said that no players will be forced to return or at least there shouldn't be players forced to return. Now, the one thing I want to say if there is a if there is a way for players not to return, um, then I think there there will a, uh, there will be a small chance or percentage of players who don't come back, and they they have every right to. According to Manford, there will be some sort of clause in that agreement. Who knows how legit that is? Um, I just want to know. I or I just want to know if a player opts to not return, is this a season for the whole season, or is this for the foreseeable future? Because in my opinion, if you're opting out to play. Uh, you shouldn't be coming back at all. So for Blake Snell and his Rays, if they're wildcard contenders, and hey, if you're in the stretch of a postseason run, um, you know they're likely going to be competing for a playoff spot. And Blake Snell all of a sudden wants to show up and help the team, the, the Rays will be missing his talent. So I don't know if the players should have the right to opt out and then opt back in while the rest of the players started the season already risking their lives. So I want I want to know how that will be addressed. I know you guys don't have answers, but I'd like for you to add on that. Uh, it's just... Lots of little details need to be sorted out. And I just wanted to mention one thing for, as well. 
the very first call between the MLB and the Players Union actually was strictly about health, nothing economical, which is good news. Like I said, it should be health, you know, it should be focused on health. And I guess that gives a sense too, to maybe the league that, you know, they're, they're that confident that uh, economically or financially there will be an agreement. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, that stuff before we continue to talk about other details in the proposal. Actually, I think it's really interesting that you brought up that point of not being able to return if you choose to opt out. Uh, part of me thinks that if you were to implement that, it would kind of force players on the teams that expect to make a playoff spot or to expect, expect to contend for a playoff spot. I feel like they would kind of be forced to um, play because, like you mentioned, if Blake Snell were to opt out, not play, and then come back. I don't think that's fair for the players that have been playing this entire time. But also at the same time, if you say that, then obviously he's going to, well, not obviously, but I'd assume that he would uh, play because he's not going to risk missing the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I think giving players that option is a good idea because like you mentioned, if somebody does have a pre-existing health condition or I think a lot of the risks of smoking also can increase your uh, the severity of your symptoms. So, you know, I don't know what, what these players do in their spare time, but if any of them were to do stuff like that and they were to catch this virus, then they would be, you know, in a lot of danger. So I think that's probably a good idea. Um, I think, unfortunately, you would probably see a lot of players on teams that don't want to contend for a playoff spot. They would potentially uh, be more prone to not playing because for their sake, obviously people want to play baseball regardless of how good your team is, but if you're expected to be dead last in the league or within a few teams of that, I they could say, well, it's not worth it for me. Um, but yeah, interesting concept. I think it probably should be implemented, although it, the minor details about should they be able to return, I feel like there should be some type of... Uh, deterrent towards not return or not playing and then returning because like like I said earlier that's not fair to the rest of the players where you know maybe you take a percentage of your salary is gone for the time you missed and you only get you know a small percentage based on the time you played um but yeah it's interesting yeah I do like the concept I'm just wondering how like it would affect the com- competitiveness of the baseball season and how would it impact all the players in regular. And I do have a quote from Mark Teixeira, a former player, the New York Yankees. Um, He says, you have people all around the world taking pay cuts, losing their jobs, uh, losing their lives, the front workers putting their lives at risk during these unpredicted times. This is the one time that I would advocate that the players accepting a deal like this. Um, So he said that a 50-50 split of of revenue is not that crazy. I don't like um, siding with the billionaires against the millionaires, but I feel like in this case you do, because I just feel like money should be really the issue right now and should be health. And I feel like what Snell fails to understand is that where he was, where he should be getting paid, but he wasn't the best pitcher last year. He only pitched 107 innings, had a 4.29 ERA. And I feel like he's not just making the money for the skill, his skill, but he's also just making the money because he plays on a baseball team. People have to be like thankful for that and grateful for that. I disagree with that line of thought because I, I, like I said earlier, I think the players are just trying to protect what they have. And right now, a lot of the criticism saying 
like you said, yeah, we should be great. They should be grateful for playing on a baseball team. Well, the owners should be grateful for just having the chance to play a season this year and stay in the public eye in terms of getting baseball on people's minds. So I think while a lot of the criticism has been focused on the players and yeah, look at all the essential workers, they're doing so much more work than you, which is true. But at the same time, the owners are kind of doing the exact same thing. They're putting money ahead of, you know, getting a product on the field. Um, and they're they're doing the exact same thing the players are trying to do. They're just getting criticized for it. So I, I do disagree with that train of thought a little bit. But I did want to bring up the fact that, um, like Bryson mentioned very early on in this conversation, there's a lot of the stuff that we just don't know right now. And, um, you know, these are discussions that are happening behind the scenes. And even though things and dirty laundry are being aired in public, bottom line, there's still discussions and they're still going back and forth. And this is part of normal, you know, contract discussions. It's just the fact that it's happening in public is what makes it um, so you know controversial and attention grabbing right now. Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, and I'm referring back. I know this is probably a little late because this was brought up a while ago to the uh, idea that players should either opt in or opt out and then have the option. Um, and I also do agree with, uh, with Mark on your rebuttal there. Um, look, this is really serious, you know, health, it's, it's more important than baseball. It's just, that's just what it is. And I feel like if you're a player, you're the one that's in this situation is risking your lives and, um, players with underlying conditions, um, players who, you know, might be a little older, not necessarily players because, you know, they're, most of them are, you know, within their twenties, thirties and athletic, but coaches and umpires as well, they're the ones that are risking their lives. So I think, um, asking them to go out and risk their lives, I feel like they should be, there should be an incentive there. And I feel like if they're not being properly, I guess, incentivized to go out and do that, then I feel like they should have the right to not do it. And uh, it's unfortunate because I'm sure that, you know, if a player decides to hold out and their team ends up, you know, making it to the, making it to the postseason or just slightly missing it or not winning the World Series, they're going to get criticized for it. And I feel like that that's not the proper way to go about it because they're only concerned. They're concerned about their health, which is, I feel like any person in that situation should be. So uh, I feel like there's going to be, you know, a lot of backlash to this. I feel like the players who do end up opting out will receive criticism. And uh, that's, I feel like that's an unfortunate part of it because as a fan, it's easy to sit back and say, Oh, well, you know, you're making millions or a baseball player, you know, be grateful, go out and play. But, there's a lot more to it this time. And uh, I just feel that players should be properly, uh, I guess, paid for doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, you it, there there is a lot going on here to support that. And uh, Mo, you mentioned what Mark Teixeira said. And actually, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, one of baseball's most lovable players, Alex Rodriguez, um, <laughs> posted a video on Twitter 16 hours ago. So let me just uh, play the clip for you guys. It's similar to what Teixeira said, but this is what he has to say. It is the people's comfort food and people are starving. And I just don't want to see this great game, people fighting billionaires, fighting with millionaires. Uh, this has nothing to do with the past. This has nothing to do with a strike. This is actually when the owners and the players are aligned and we want the same thing. We want to save baseball. We want to play baseball. Players want to play, fans want to watch. And at the end of the day, if you don't play today, you don't win tomorrow because hopefully we don't have another situation like this. This is like beyond anything we've ever seen before. 
I just urge the players and the owners to think collectively. If there's $100 in the pie, like the NBA, players take 50, owners take 50, and we give it to the fans. We thank the fans of baseball. I agree with his first half of that video. The second half of the video, let me just say, A-Rod, if you were playing still, would you really think that? Especially coming from him and Teixeira, in my opinion, where it's a little bit fabricated because of how much money they made. But, of course, you know, we want, all of us are fans, we want to see a deal done. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with the players getting full salary, but I don't necessarily agree with the owners taking so much away from the players. So hopefully there's a fair number that can be, uh, you know, it's not an agreement, it's more of a compromise for this season. But I think, you know, I think we've talked a lot about the financial parts. Um, you know, there's a lot of other little details in this agreement that I'd, I'd like to touch on. But Mark, uh, yeah, I'll let you do that. But when it comes to A-Rod and all that, you know, it's good for people to, I guess, voice themselves on social media, love them or hate them. You want to see baseball. You you agree with this first half. But, you know, the second half, it's just, it's it's hard to it's hard to see if he would think the same if he was still playing. That's all I have to say to that. And I think that touches up the rest, unless anybody wants to add any last minute things on on that. Well, yeah, I think with with uh, um, a rod, there's a lot going on behind the scenes with this. As you mentioned, um, if he was a player, I don't think this would be happening. I don't think he would be saying this. He made four hundred and forty one million dollars in his playing career. He was the wealthiest MLB player of all time, and at the same time, right now. He is wanting to own a team. He was involved in talks to buy the Mets. Um, he's been floating around Major League Baseball for a few years in talks to buy different teams. So this is a guy who wants to get the owners on his side to approve the purchase of a team. So I think there's a lot of backroom politics that we're not seeing with this that is kind of the motivating factors for him. And you mentioned some of the other changes that are being made in Major League Baseball to go along with this. And we've talked a little bit about the safety so far today, but we haven't gotten into the specifics. Bryson, do you want to talk a little bit about what MLB is presenting as their plan to, you know, test players and ensure the players are safe while they are playing? Mm -hmm. So for the logistics other than uh, economics, which this is this will be great because we're moving on from that, even though it's the most important topic. So... <laughs> It should be about safety, so let's let's uh, let's talk about the safety. So we know that uh, we know that one of the changes to this proposal is a division realignment. Where you know we've already ta uh, touched on this, Mark and Jacob. I don't know Mo Mo and Rob if you guys been able to touch on this this proposal, in which divisions are realigned into three, ten teams in each, uh, and you only play teams based off of the region you play in. So you're not cross country traveling anymore. You know you won't be seeing the Jays in Oakland. Uh, but in, in more, you'll be seeing the Jays in New York a lot against the Yankees and the Mets. Um, pretty much what a spring training schedule. You're seeing the usual teams you play in spring training. So we know that. We know it, rosters are going to be expanded to 30 uh, with the number of taxi squad members. I don't know the amount. It might be up to 20. But, you know, that also comes with the unfortunate that there likely won't be a minor league baseball season. So it's good to have a taxi squad, even though they won't be playing a lot of baseball to begin with. Um, the other things are the expanded postseason, and uh, which we can also touch on, and the universal DH. And now that's one thing I want to get to with you guys. Uh, the universal DH will be likely implemented. I think it's already been agreed upon. And one reason for that, I think it's about the safety and the health of the pitchers, or at least it's one of the big factors of it. I know, especially coming from an AL team that I enjoy in the Jays, and I guess it can go around from National League team is 
teams as well, you know, you always kind of get a little nervous when you see a pitcher trying to take swings. And with pitchers already trying to ramp up for a second spring training, which could happen within the month, uh, you kind of want to limit that as much as possible. But I think for the National League, I think this definitely benefits from a lot of players. And one player that comes to my mind right off the bat is Ioannis Cespedes. We haven't seen Ioannis Cespedes play a full season in almost two years. Uh, he was expected to be ready this season. He had some sort of ranching accident where he, he really, really uh, injured his ankle. But you can imagine that he would probably be the everyday DH for the Mets and other teams. So the one thing I wanted to ask you guys on that is, do you think this universal DH could be permanent beyond 2020 and heading into 2021, as well as the postseason uh, being expanded? And then after that, I'll ask you guys a little bit more about the actual testing because there's new details on that. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on all of that, the basics on the proposal. Uh, first of all, I think for as long as the this div- this new division realignment where the AL and NL East teams play each other, I think the Universal DH would last for that duration. As for going forward, I think that's actually a gr- good idea because, like you mentioned, the safety of the pitchers is important. I've seen guys like Strom last who has successfully hit in the NL. However, not a lot of pitchers really try to hit. They're not, they, they don't practice it very much. They're, they're a pitcher. They don't, they don't hit. And I think that's probably a good idea. Obviously, coming from a fan of an American League team, I think it's, I'm a little bit biased just because I can't stand when, you know, it's a tie game in the fifth inning, your starter's throwing a gem and you have to pull them out in order to get uh, a hitter out to try and untie the game. However, for the NL, I think, honestly, it's probably a bit of... Uh, it's also a good idea for them because, like I said, pitchers are meant to pitch. They're not... They don't necessarily hit, usually. Obviously, in the NL, they do. But I just... I think it's a good idea to have a universal DH and keep the rules the same um, and keep the pitcher safe. I think, like you said, a universal DH is good for guys like Ioannis Cespedes who can now play more if this were implemented. Uh, we saw a lot with Kendrys Morales and Edwin Encarnacion where they would usually take over the DH role for the Blue Jays, which got their bat in the lineup, as well as allowing other players to take over first base or uh, other positions. So I think, honestly, it's a good idea. I'm, again, I'm a little bit biased just because my favorite team is from the American League where we have a DH and I see the benefits of it. But I do think the rest of the league could benefit from it, and it's definitely something that should be looked into. I'm a big fan of the, the universal DH. I think this is something that baseball has always been thinking about doing. Um, and I think now would be, I guess, you'd want to say a good excuse to start it and continue it for good. Uh, I definitely think pitchers hitting is old news at this point. Uh, no one is really a big fan of it. As you mentioned, there's safety concerns. Um, there's entertainment concerns because, as you mentioned, Jacob, that oftentimes you know you have to take a pitcher out early so that you can have you know, a hitter come up and I guess come through in a big situation or vice versa. You have an opportunity to score a run and your pitcher is pitching too well. So you have to leave him in the game and you blow an opportunity. So I definitely think it's time to move on from that. And I guess it also helps a lot of players out, you know, a lot of players that are 30 plus years old or guys who don't really play uh, defense and are poor defenders, but can also hit. I think they will, they'll be helped a lot more. They'll get paid a lot more because now there's, 15 new job openings up available for them as opposed to just 14 or 15, pardon me, in the American League. 
Um, I'm a big fan of it. And obviously, you mentioned Bryson Cespedes, the example with him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely all for it. And I think now would be a good time to start. I'm definitely good for it as well. I feel like in the long run, if this sticks, I feel like it'll be hard to go back to the pitchers hitting. Like it won't be hard for NL teams to adapt to the new rule. Like um, with this, as Rob mentioned, and uh, as well as Bryson, has mentioned that the veteran sluggers will be able to hang on while at the tail ends of their careers. And the 26th active spot as well is going to help them as well. I just feel like pitchers hitting is just going to save them, as you guys said, a bit more... um, late game situations especially in the nl as well as um pitching hitting drills which could lead to injuries i just feel like um hope this sticks because it can benefit everybody especially the veteran players yeah i gotta be the dissenting vote here even though i'm an al guy i think we're all al guys because obviously we're blue jay fans but i do like hitters or excuse me pitchers hitting because I feel like baseball already has so many quirks like you know the way um, stadiums are shaped um, some of the odd rules throughout the game um, and I think just having two different leagues with slightly different rules just continues that kind of quirkiness and that craziness and it's very entertaining to watch guys like Madison Bumgarner hit and hit home runs or Bartolo Colon hit um, a home run like that kind of stuff is amazing to watch and it's part of the reason why I love baseball is kind of the very weird nature of it and how it's not as like sterile and cold as maybe football or basketball is in the the grid that they play on and the rules they play by so I I like the the idea of pitchers still hitting but if they do implement the universal DH come this season whenever it does start which it makes sense because if you're playing along um, geographical alignments with the NL East and the AL East in the same division you have to universalize the rules but um, I think if they do universalize the rules this season then yeah the the pitcher hitting is dead the designated hitter is going to be it's going to become a fact of life in both leagues Um I don't know if you want to, we have a few minutes to talk here, so I guess we can touch on the safety protocols that they are planning to implement if you want to introduce that, Bryson, and then we can wrap things up. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that was a good topic there on the uh, Universal DH, but uh, yeah, actually the uh, MLB, sorry, I'm just reading this now, MLB submitted a 67-page player safety protocol, the MLBPA, and it actually has just been released as we speak, so I don't know if you want me to read through, there's a lot of points here, but I can read through a, a little bit from both. So for on-field play, uh, teams will not physically exchange lineup cards. They'll be uh, submitted using an app. Players must wear masks unless they're on the field. So I guess when you're in the dugout or in the clubhouse, you have to wear a mask. A new baseball is used after a ball is in play and touched by multiple players. The six feet apart during the national anthem. Uh, Spring training rosters are limited to 50 players. Spring games will start between 7 and 9 local time. Um... Spitting, smokeless tobacco, sunflower seeds, prohibited, hand-washing, recommended after every half innings. Wow, so that'll be a lot of trips uh, between the clubhouse and uh, the dugout. And off the field, it's just pretty much uh, teams isolating in hotels. You know, you're, you're not going to be going out on a road game or even at home. Um, you're going to be staying uh, in quarantine pretty much based off of how the, the rest of the world is. Um, and then, then temperature checks. Uh, which will be mandatory. And actually, too, a new thing came out yesterday, uh, a new detail in how MLB has actually converted a, or made a, a testing lab in Utah. 
and that gives 24-hour results apparently to COVID-19. And if a player tests positive, uh, they must have two straight negative results. So it, you're not necessarily quarantining for 14 days, but you are quarantining until you get two negative results. Now, the one, the one thing I have to say to this is, you know, uh, we've seen all over the world with COVID-19 testing. It take it can take up to a week to get results, and there's been lots of, um, you know, ra uh, rapid testing kits that have been introduced. And a new study came out a couple of days ago saying. One in particular tick that um, kit that was made is, you know, as much as it's rapid, a lot of the results could be missed. A lot of the results could be missed if it's rapid. So that's the one concern I have. I hope that they can figure that out. But yeah, that those are kind of the new details that have just came out based off of health measures and uh, testing, which will have to be regular. We've seen that in the Korean Baseball League. There's been a video of a former major leaguer. Uh, entering the stadium, they had to. I know. I'm sure you guys have seen it. it looks very uncomfortable. Where you stick, um, you stick that. I don't even know what it's called, but it's like a rod up your nose for, um, I guess your saliva or something like that. So uh, that's what the new normal is going to be for pretty much every sport that comes back. Daily testing and measures put in place. So what are your thoughts on that? And I guess you know how confident are you in this 24-hour rapid test result kit? I think that. Um... In terms of the rules you just read off, Bryson, I think that the protocol is, they're definitely taking good measures. My only concern is how do you monitor it and how effective can it actually be? I think in theory, you mentioned all the things that they can do, uh, obviously six feet apart from the national anthem, changing the ball after he's been touched by multiple players. All that stuff is really good, but how how is it going to be monitored? How can you monitor a bunch of players who after a game they're at the hotel that you ensure that they don't go out and contract this virus. How do you manage players who are asymptomatic and don't show signs uh, until after a game where, you know, there may have been physical contact with other players. I feel like there are still a lot of concerns at play, despite the fact that in theory, the plan that major league baseball has put out for the safety is very effective. I feel like there's definitely some concerns with it. And I I'm just, I'm just dubious of the fact that how it's going to be handled and what happens if, you know, for example, an asymptomatic player doesn't show signs of, you know, potential illness and then plays a game or multiple games with that virus and puts all other players at risk. I feel like there's, there's still legitimate concerns, despite the fact that, you know, MLB is trying their best to make sure that all safety measures are met. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a concern. Uh, I know we know, um, based off of what Commissioner Manfred said, the testing would be rapid uh, frequently. You'd be removed from the team and placed in quarantine. But like you said, if you're asymptomatic, who knows how many players you can affect. And essentially, you could pretty much wipe out a whole team, depending on how long it goes misread. But I guess you have to have confidence in that rapid testing so you can remove that player as quickly as possible. There was supposed to be, or there was a UFC fight night last weekend, and I'm not, I'm sorry, I don't know the fighter's name, but he did test positive for COVID-19 uh, once he arrived. Uh, I think it was at the airport. I don't know. He didn't enter the arena, but what they did was they sent him home right away, and they went on with the event, which has taken a lot of, like it was very controversial, but it appears to have been a success. But based off of that, you know, it's that's unfortunately not going to happen. Uh, every single time, especially in a clubhouse where you're contained uh, with teammates, it's a team sport. So that's something that I guess you have to rely on. And 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 let's just make one thing very clear, which everybody knows that, that this is a risk. Like this is not this. Obviously, nothing will be perfect. This is going to be a risk. 
that Major League Baseball is willing to take, as well as other leagues in North America who want to resume uh, their season and get on with it. But, you know, this is something that comes in the proposal, and I guess it'll be up to the players if you want to show up or not, uh, which we touched on earlier. And the last question, too, is what if you trade? Like, what if you make a trade? Like, how does that work? Like, if you're trading with a team from the West and they got to come to the East, do they have to quarantine for 14 days? Is there have to be some sort of rapid testing players they've been around? That's one thing. Uh, that's one question I have is how, how are trades going to work? So other than that, uh, the testing, you know, you have to rely on the testing. You have to make it frequent and you have to, I guess you have to hope, you know, that's really all you can do with this virus is take the best measures you can. But unfortunately it comes with no uh, guarantee. So that's, it's just something that will have to be dealt with. And of course it, it, the players are at risk and I guess everybody around the players at who the limited people attend the games will be at risk. So this is something that, you you kind of have to have faith on, but who knows how successful it'll be? It's just it's it's a lot of uncertainty, but it, it's good to see that they're making health measures and uh, protocols. I think it's actually really interesting that you brought up the, uh, the trades and how they would handle that. Um, I might be alone with this opinion, but I think they might have to just ban trades for this season, only because you know nobody's going to want to quarantine for fourteen days after being traded. You know after leaving your team, is not play baseball for two weeks, and then all of a sudden have to impress this new team. I, I just think that would be too difficult for them. Uh, yeah, Next season, or you know, hopefully when a vaccine is found, then resume trades as normal. But I don't know. I just think that it, it's hard to... It's hard enough to, ke- to keep everybody safe and m- monitor everybody's whereabouts and their symptoms. Just with your own team, so adding another foreign body really would be a lot difficult or a lot more difficult. So it just, it would, I think it would overcomplicate things. And now, you know, as was proposed earlier, you, they're gonna have to go. A player would have to go through two negative tests if test positive. So you know, would they implement that if a player was traded? You know, you have to test pos- test negative twice in order to join the team. Uh, I don't know. I think that that's possibly more likely i'm not sure but i just i don't know i think that's definitely an interesting thing uh yeah i i would not like to see any trades unfortunately you know if you're a team that's trying to buy or sell you know you're kind of screwed by this but i think that's probably the best way to manage you know who's coming in and out of your clubhouse and coming into contact with your players and your organization yeah and i guess my main concern I think we can figure out things with, you know, trades and the logistics of that. But my main concern is just what Bryson said. What happens if this gets out of hand? What happens if, you know, this spreads to an entire team and you end up with an entire team out of commission? Like, do you just cancel the games that they're involved in? Do you postpone the entire league because you're going to have to reschedule stuff? How does that work? And that's my main concern. But I think some of the the smaller logistical problems like trades and other stuff like that, that can be determined and decided along the line. But I don't know what Major League Baseball does if a team is out of commission entirely. For sure, there's a lot of implications. And I I want to touch on the trades. I just feel like, as you said, Jacob, I just feel like it's just going to be very hard, very hard for uh, teams to just, with the fact that these players will have to self-quarantine, self-isolate, with all this like moving around it's just i don't think it's just gonna work and 
it's going to be kind of weird to see the season happen and unfold in such a like unusual way, but it's just the circumstances we're in. And uh, Rob, your point on the asymptomatic, um, but it says asymptomatic individuals will undergo temperature checks and symptom screens at least twice daily. All individuals will undergo testing multiple times per week. Results taking approximately 24 hours to report. So at least that's a good sign for asystematic people. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think all of our fingers are crossed that um, all this will work and that the Players Association and the owners, they can eventually forge a deal. And hopefully by next week, we're able to talk about that. But I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation today. Again, a big thank you to Rob and Mo for joining us. You can check out their podcast on um, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, it is Jay's Banter, and you can follow them on Instagram, Blue Jay's Wave. Um, so thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. And take it easy. We'll hope to talk sometime in the future. Yeah, great talk today. And if you are tuning in for the first time to this podcast, we're glad to have you here. And um, we've got weekly podcasts coming out, whether it's an interview or just a conversation with us. So you can subscribe and rate and review our podcast again wherever you find podcasts. And we'll be back here next week. We'll catch you then.